0: Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff and I'll be your host. Hyperia is a Canadian melodic thrash metal band who just released their sophomore album, Silhouettes of Horror, on March 18th, 2022. The band was originally formed in Calgary, Alberta, but have recently made the move to Vancouver, BC. Hyperia was also recently featured in the Danish death metal magazine, Metalized. And today I have the pleasure of speaking of majority of the band. Guys, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us, Thanks Jeff. Thank for having us. I definitely appreciate this also before your uh, release party here in Calgary.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited.
2: (laughs) It's going to be a great time.
0: I hope so. (laughs) I'm excited (laughs) to see you guys live. It'll be 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 the first time seeing you. And I think my third concert out now since uh, COVID. So cool. Nice, nice. For all the listeners, um, can you guys just introduce yourselves so they can hear who's who? Uh,
1: I'm Marley. I'm the vocalist.
0: I'm Colin. I play the guitar.
2: I'm Dave. I play rhythm guitar.
0: Awesome. Thanks again. Uh, so guys, what prompted the move to Vancouver?
3: Um, I think all of us had our own like personal reasons, uh, aside from the band and then the band on top of that was just, we all just wanted to kind of be in a city that we figured was more, um, I don't know. I guess Vancouver is always known as like one of the top two, two cities in Canada, um, to be a band, to be a musician or the arts in general. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I guess it was, kind of a gamble because Colin was going to wanted to go to Vancouver Film School so we just sat everybody down and we're like we're moving and you can come if you want and then they all realized I guess that they wanted to go our drummer even came with us but then he went on a different path which is fine Um, but yeah it was just kind of like that started it and now the rest is history
3: (laughs) yeah
0: It's pretty cool that you guys like stuck together through the move instead of having to change lineups or.
3: Yeah, I think, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, like Dave, I mean, we can talk about why he wanted to move, I guess, but everyone had their own personal reasons too, which was kind of helpful.
2: Well, yeah, like for me, for me, one of the main reasons was the government in Alberta. I can't stand the conservatives in there. I don't like them. I really don't like them. I don't like racists and I don't like any of that other crap.
1: There's a lot of good people.
2: There are, but I
0: think we could have an interesting conversation because I'd say for a lot of my views, I am conservative, but I also have a lot of uh, forward like liberal thoughts as well. So I think um, yeah, I think we could have a good conversation at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just
2: I just didn't like the general like bad things that were happening. How like I, I I'm a professional cook and pretty much like what I kept seeing is all like, you know, one off restaurants getting closed while franchises getting more locations, um, venues getting closed while like, I don't know, crap being put there. And I was just like, the things that I love of where you can be an artist and more passionate about stuff seem to thrive more in BC. And like, I guess it was just like a big eye-opener when Jason Kenney got into power and I I saw the change with restaurants first off. And I was just like, I'm not liking this. And then COVID hit and then they're like, we're moving. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. There's probably a lot better opportunities in Vancouver. And I can like stray away from all the stuff that I didn't like. And yeah, man, like the weather, the metal scene, and also the restaurant industry here was just did it for me right there.
0: I would have to agree with you on like all of that. Basically, I saw a lot of the same stuff. And um, one of my neighbors actually owns a restaurant. And he thought it was incredibly hard um, to stay open and stuff like that. He was going through a lot of hoops to make sure that his business stayed afloat. So, yeah, 100% I agree with you. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Like basically, like I, I, I don't like I, I just keep feeling like. When when it, when you talk about the conservatives, like the ones that I don't like, are the bad people. You know what I mean? And it just seems like that's what the media and everyone else focuses on. Of course, yeah. Who usually yeah. You know swings the hammer, basically. Yeah,
3: yeah, and it seemed like just across the board in a bunch of industries, like the the small people all kind of got fucked over, and then the big guys all got bit their bails up, bailouts for like totally whatever. Yeah, restaurants and venues. Or, and it's
1: not even that. I feel like any you can't be extreme on either side. You kind of have to. Be, I agree. Yeah. I oh
2: yeah I, I just remember the t- the moment where i decided that i was just like okay screw this was when he took what was it like like the billions of dollars in tax revenue to just give to an oil company that just laid off their own workers anyways so and I then they like, moved yeah and they moved and i was like how is he not in jail for doing that and i live
0: yeah
1: screw this anyways yeah yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. no i
0: think you know what i enjoy that kind of conversation and um as far as like that kind of stuff, I, I agree. Um, even on the left side of things, there's a lot of um, extremism that's shown rather than the majority of people who are relatively moderate and have sure. both sides of yeah. opinions. So yeah. Um, so other than the weather, what weather? <laughs> what are some of the other things that you enjoy? It's about definitely them?
3: wetter. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think I think all of us have kind of just like found here that the way of life is just a lot like more laid back in a way where mm-hmm. even like all of us in our respective jobs and stuff like people are like you are so hard working but for us i mean it's at the boot camp of corporate alberta i guess Where like if you're not working 24 7 then you're kind of lazy and then you come here and they're like i think all of us have experienced it we're like people think that we're the best at our jobs even though we're just doing like what we would consider a regular kind of job for an albertan work ethic yeah um, so that's,
2: that's definitely Interesting and amusing to see. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm definitely way less stressed out
1: here. My boss is awesome. They're, like, so much more laid back. The only thing is they're a little bit too laid back, you know? Like, a little bit of pushover bosses. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) My (laughs) boss is saying, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Anyway, enough about work. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, no shit. Um, (laughs) So you'd think that in a city that's a lot bigger, um, there would be a lot more of that uh, rushed mentality and why, why do you guys think that's different there?
3: I don't know. I guess I feels like every, every country, the, any of the cities that are like right on the, on the water seem to kind of be more laid back and, and relaxed for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you kind of see it across the board. Um, even not yeah, just even with like, it just seems more accepting here. Like people are more open-minded towards different kind of lifestyles, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, to be honest. But yeah, it just seems like
1: the only here more laid back. The only downside is it's expensive, but you make it work.
2: Yeah. yeah and honestly, it's, it's not as expensive as you'd think. Like, we got, like, the big expensive parts are, like, gas and rent, rent. basically. Yeah. So if you just figure out rent, like, what we're doing is we're all living together, and that's what makes it cheaper. Or if you just, you know, just look around and figure it out. Instead of just being like, well, I want my own house, you know, like most places you go, it's going to be like difficult to get your own house so that I can understand. But if you just play it smart, you can make it cheap. Like first, like couple months that we were here, we were all like, this is this is what is being labeled as expensive. It's like we got rent down. We figured out transportation. Groceries are cheap booze is same price if not a little bit cheaper than alberta and everything else is fine like as long as you're not you know it's like it's like going to a Lamborghini dealer and being like hey why are all the cars so expensive it's <laughs> because they're all like things and that, and there's a lot of that here in vancouver you just don't have to go and buy it basically it's like you want a yeah. two thousand uh, dollar raincoat you can get it from arcterics but no one's telling you to buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like the public transportation down there is way better than Calgary too. Oh it's, yeah. It's, a lot yeah more it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Like for a city this size, you'd think that there would be more infrastructure in that regard, but it's, it's bullshit. It takes forever to get anywhere in the city.
3: I think, yeah. Calgary is very much designed around having a car. <laughs> like
0: it's yeah. also hard yeah. to
1: make decisions. Everybody's kind of, there's some people, you know, they, they don't see the bigger picture of how things could work out you know some yeah. people like for instance the ndp only had one term but but they you don't see the bigger picture you don't give it enough time to change and i feel like a lot of people are like oh they're, they're afraid of risk so it's like you put money into here and it's going to take 10 years they're like oh we can't do that Like for the train, for instance. Yeah, we never
2: got that train to Copperfield. Yeah, it was supposed to be be there in like, what, 2015 or 16, if I remember correctly? It seems
1: like they come up with ideas and then don't follow through. They had had at the beginning, maybe in the 80s, they had like that underground train or whatever that they were going to do. And then they just dropped it.
0: I think the, one of the problems with all Canadian politics is that each party is just trying to undo what the other party did instead <laughs> yeah. of building on each other and yeah. making everything better for everyone. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly.
0: yeah. So into music, um, your band through a name change.
2: Uh, uh, no, no, it did not. Or, so no, mis- it was a different group then. Uh, no, no, there's a oh. misconception behind.
3: That. Okay. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah. So basically that that came from, I guess, I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to the band uh Sahasrara.
0: Yep, I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I didn't uh, want to yeah. butcher it.
3: That's no, that it's funny because that's a band that – well, not even a band. It's literally like a three-song EP that Marley and I wrote just for like
1: – Shits and giggles. Just for
3: fun. Like I was bored and I was like, whatever, I'm going to write this cool pow- – like a three-song power metal thing. And then just because both me and Marley had our name on it, people were just like, well, that must have been the beginning of Iperia. And <laughs> it's not at all. I mean, we I wrote – yeah, just because we have the same members doesn't mean it's the same project
1: yeah and we had we were in another band together too so it's like oh
3: but uh man. and then yeah and then i think metal archives they they put that on there and we like sent them multiple things like hey this isn't real can you take it off and then they were like i don't it know took it took forever it took a while. to Fight that. not that it matters even but we were kind of just like well it's not
1: we just I kept s- getting comments about yeah it. <laughs> there's people being like you know poser or whatever and i don't really care about that but it's just and then someone commented, it's on Metal Archives, so it's true. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> That's like Facebook.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So that was never, it had no really any affiliation other than the fact that Marley and I were part of it. Um, it was only us, really. Like, I just, it, it
1: was just for fun. It was just a
3: fun, like, let's just do
1: a We 03. ended up deleting the band camp because we just didn't want. <laughs>
0: I noticed that I tried to go to the page and nothing was there.
1: Sorry,
3: uh, it, <laughs> exactly. and it's also like it's nothing that like good. Like it's not like we wanted to really be oh associated it. with it. We it just really did it. Bad. We just did it for fun, and then we never thought it would become a thing. So it
0: was. So then, how did you guys decide on like a more melodic thrash approach?
3: That was kind of like always. I mean, like doing that power metal thing. That was more of just like I've never done this before. Why don't we just do it for fun? So it's like. The style that Hyperia is has always been more of my style of writing stuff, like that with aggressive like harmonies and melodic riffs and stuff. So for me, that's kind of what I write for Hyperia is is natural for me and that's kind of what what I do. So I think yeah, the thing where it was like, Oh, well, you must play in this other band and it's power metals, so which means people were like, Well, you go back and forth between whatever genre is popular and it's like, Well, no, I don't know. It got got kind of blown out of proportion a little bit, so we just kind of were like why are people
0: pissed off about experimentation fuck them
3: because we're posers because we're not through true thrashers because we play we We, listen to other types of music
1: try different things to expand our talent range you know
2: (laughs) not only that we we also like just blending different genres into our music like if there's lots of tracks so you you will hear power metal thrash metal black metal death metal Mm in hyperia so it's also funny that they would make comments about it when we're no strangers to blending elements of other genres.
0: Well, and how many members of bands are members of a multiple genres? Yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah. Right. Jazz-infused metal and shit, so I, I don't understand It's just the
3: a very few... Uh,
0: we haven't got of...
1: anything like that on this album, so that's good.
0: Good. Yeah. And so how do you guys feel about the new album now that it's dropped and been
3: out for a little bit? It's only been a few days, mind you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so we've almost two weeks, almost, almost two weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're like super pumped on it. Like, I think like compared to our first album, it's been like the reception has seemed to be really, really awesome. Uh, like very, very few negative critiques, which is really great for us to hear. Um, and I think that we're all like very proud of it. We all think it's, a pretty big step up from our first album. Um, just as far as like performance, production, playing, uh, songwriting. I think yeah. we all kind of got more um, comfortable playing with each other and we kind of like growing in off or we kind of like, I guess, fit more into our roles where it's like, we just kind of became more comfortable with uh, embellishing the songs in our own uh, like unique way, I guess. So I think we're all, we're all very proud of it. For sure.
0: Did you guys start work on the record before you moved to Vancouver?
2: Uh, yeah.
3: Uh, yes. Yes, we did. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like living together helps the process a little bit or helps you kind of become more proficient in those areas?
3: Totally. Yeah, I think, I mean, we started the album maybe a month or two before we left Vancouver. Maybe, no, probably longer than that. But anyway, because when we were still in Calgary, we were planning on actually doing a three-month tour in Europe, UK, and Canada. So we were kind of just writing songs just for fun. Like, we didn't really think about actually making an album until COVID uh, hit. Forced us to. And then Thanks. we were kind of like, what else <laughs> What else is there to do now to stay relevant than re- write and record? Um, but I think living together definitely helped a lot. Like, it made us able to kind of practice whenever we wanted to, um, figure out our parts more, yeah, better. I mean, we all recorded at our house here as well. So it just kind of helped our... Like help schedule stuff where you don't have to drive across the city just to uh, just to practice or record
1: yeah i recorded in a broom closet so (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. so do you guys all record at the same time this might be a naive question no no no, we we all recorded individually yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah and so like um i didn't really know the restrictions over the past little while were you guys um locked down in vancouver then yep
3: I was pretty much probably the exact same here, if not worse
0: would, than Alberta. I
1: got a job though that I was working from home, so I was still working awesome
3: yeah but yeah, I think the restrictions were yeah equally if not even yeah even a little bit worse than Alberta, I'd say as far as um just like capacity restrictions and that kind of thing. but uh yeah, we all lived together, so we all kind of shared our our bubble or whatever they called it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of we were locked in with each other, and yeah, nothing else to do but practice and record. Uh, which I think comes through on the album as well, just because we had so much more time to kind of to uh, polish what we wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I took a week off of work, though, to just focus on it. And then, then I just got it done, powered through or whatever. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, like, obviously, COVID aside, this might be a little different now that everything's opening back up. But do you guys think it'll be hard to stick to a schedule or harder to stick to a schedule because you'll have more availability of time and you'll kind of put things off in the future? Or do you think that living together will help you more of a concise schedule with your subsequent releases
2: um i think that it, it has it has helped us a little bit but at the same time we were never a band that had a difficult time with scheduling like when we first started it like when colin and marley got all the members and everything we were practicing like between two to five times a week and I I I think it was, I think we were all at every single jam all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody missed anything and we would reschedule if something was very conflicting, but we, we pushed ourselves and we never had any problem with scheduling because we all found the band and the work very important. Yeah, mm-hmm. More important than like our jobs and personal lives at times. So we were like, this always takes a priority.
3: Yeah, even then, like when we were in Calgary, we all pretty much lived in separate quadrants of the city. So like a lot of us would be driving half hour, 40 minutes just to kind of make a jam, which just kind of showed the dedication that we all had. So now the fact that three of us live together, uh, Scott, our bass player, lives in Nanaimo. So he just takes just like a a ferry ride over and we pick him up. And and then our new drummer, Steve, lives about 15 minutes from us. So it's definitely more of a a tight-knit, um as far as like travel time now which is nice so except for scott except for for, yeah (laughs) except for scott but he He chose that he makes it work (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah i mean i'm curious we haven't really made any plans for any following releases or recordings yet i think we really kind of want to just like work on promoting and and uh pushing our new album so it's hard to say what what the recording process will be like for the next time around, but yeah, hopefully we also it's
1: also want to do a tour. We, like it, it just seems like we'll release all these albums and then never go on. tour, <laughs> yeah. And that's what all we want to do. So
0: mm-hmm. you guys have played a few shows though, since it's been out or since at least
3: the restrictions have kind of
1: lifted. No, no, no actually
3: no. we haven't. Unfortunately we have a couple lined up very soon here, but yeah.
1: Edmonton and as you know, Calgary, So Mm -hmm. you'll get to see, be the first to see Calgary (laughs) you after not playing for a few years playing live.
0: Well, you guys know your shit, so I'm sure you guys will kill it. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Yeah, we can't wait. It's been so long. What do you guys think is the most exciting thing about
3: um, the prospect of getting back on stage?
2: Seeing the fans. Yeah,
1: and our friends. I think
3: just like the energy. Yeah, playing a show is one of the coolest experiences ever. And especially, I think, going back to Calgary, where we have so many friends and... That's kind of our home base in a way. I think we're really looking forward to that. Um, just the energy of being on stage and watching other bands as well, and just kind of catching up with everybody after after three years, whatever it's been, whatever yeah. it feels like.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Personally, for me, the biggest thing is when you're when you see a mosh pit get started from something that you're playing. No better feeling
1: than that
0: that must be pretty cool what about when fans sing like sing to your lyrics that's cool too for sure
2: they really
1: only do that for fish creek Frenzy, yeah yeah
2: it it is still pretty damn cool but that's
1: like our that's like our Calgary anthem you know
0: (laughs) for sure um so talking about Calgary um you mentioned before the show that it was kind of a better metal scene here because it's more intense and it seemed always pretty uh bumping I guess for lack of better terms I guess what are you most excited about for the scene coming back to Calgary? Is it that like the intensity?
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the intensity, the people there, like the the, support. The Calgary metal scene has always been very like a tight knit community, and everyone seems to get along for the most part. Um, It's really one big family, and Mm -hmm. like the support for most bands. Like I remember, like the year or two before COVID, we'd be going to shows every weekend or so, and every show we went to was pretty packed, Mm -hmm. full of people which was a really cool thing to see for like local shows even. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just like the people there are really awesome. Everybody, yeah, everybody seems to really get along, which is a great thing. I and... would have
1: to say the metal scene has evolved because I'm I'm older than these guys, but also you were. What do you mean? we are like almost the same age. I'm two years
2: <laughs> You're one year old. Oh, yeah, I'm one year old. <laughs>
1: Just, <laughs> but he's a '94 baby, and I'm an '89 baby, and he's 90. Yeah, she's but a cradle robber. I'm a cradle robber. <laughs> um, but like when I first started going out, I found that the metal scene for me, maybe it's just because I'm a female, was just a lot of drama. But I felt I feel like it's developed into a way better scene where you know people just don't have time for that, and that's really, mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Mm-hmm. yeah, a lot more friendship
1: yeah all that
3: stuff yeah people mainly just want to go out and have a good time yeah that's kind of what it's about which is awesome yeah i've never really seen issues at metal
0: concerts i've been to like other concerts like rap and obviously edm and stuff and back in those days i saw a lot of bullshit there and with metal it's like yeah you get in the pit you might get hurt a little bit but everyone cares
3: about each other dude yeah you fall down everyone picks you up right away that's actually one thing i noticed too is like anytime i've ever really seen drama at a metal show it's when there's people there that aren't metal heads you know, and there are people that like just show up because they like stumble in or whatever, and then they start some shit.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I mean like they were always nice to each other to a point. I'm just, I think I just mean within the scenes family there was a lot going just on
3: drama and, and certain friend groups, I guess. But that's everything.
1: Which, yeah, I just don't like it. <laughs> but it, yeah, it doesn't seem to be. But maybe also we're just on a, a different like level of friend friends. Like, just I have different friends than I had. Back then. So,
0: yeah, depends who you want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you guys find that difficult, like leaving a lot of your friends when you went to Vancouver? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was the hardest part for sure. Um,
2: yeah, we had part. just,
1: it was funny because Colin and I, before we left on our 13 month trip around Europe and Asia, um, we were kind of basement dwellers. We kind of went out sometimes. We were playing shows when we had shows, but it was Dave that had all the friends. But then when we got back from our trip, we uh started networking going to shows every weekend and we made like a really good really good friend group and that was really sad because we're like we kind of knew we were leaving even when we got back from our trip because uh but we didn't tell anybody (laughs) because we're like uh, because colin wanted to go to that school and that was his path and uh we just ended up extending it to 2020 uh leaving we were supposed to go in 2019 but because the band was doing so well we changed his uh year to 2020 so it was hard leaving all that it it seems like whenever you have you know things are going to change that's when you make the best friends
0: (laughs) and like even if it's stressful or kind of scary Hmm. it feels like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders when you make the decision it's like Mm -hmm. when you're hanging in limbo that's when it's difficult for sure totally so colin you're now enrolled um
3: have you been going back to classes then, or? Oh, I've actually graduated. It was only a one year program. Um, yeah, right. it was in and out pretty much. So now I'm fully in the work. Uh,
0: yeah, he's for doing please. sound
1: design please. for video, or sorry, film right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: He's got, he's-
0: I saw it. Yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt Marley.
1: That's okay, go ahead. <laughs>
0: i just wanted to ask so i saw your um i saw some of your videos with the video games and and other things like this sounds really stupid but like what kind of things did you learn
3: oh yeah so mainly i mean uh it was cool like it translated a lot to music as well it wasn't really based around music the program it was mainly uh yeah so like sound design for film and video games so sound effects, sound effects um just like anything from i mean 95 percent of a film sound is done in post-production <laughs> so it's kind of like re just redesigning the entire sound for for film tv media and so like pen
1: clicking or like yeah yeah
3: so it's intense i think it's a very underappreciated like nobody really thinks of it everyone thinks it's like oh yeah you just record it all on set and that's the that's the movie but but re-recording dialogue read yeah just adding sound design for like textures or risers or tension builders and um every single sound effect you see you have to cover every footstep, every handshake, every cloth movement, every yeah. It's it's pretty in in depth. But I think a lot a lot of it did translate to music as well because you are still obviously you're still editing and recording audio, which is what music is as well, in a sense.
1: And you did some composing too.
3: So yeah, it touches on composition, but yeah. But I think uh, the schooling definitely helped, I think, with the recording of our last album as well. Just learning different techniques of of mixing or editing or recording even as well. But...
0: Did you like engineer the whole thing? Uh, yeah. Like the whole album? Yeah. Okay, so cool. I did
3: everything except uh, we got it mastered by a guy named Mika Usula in Finland. So I, I tracked it, edited it, mixed it, and then we sent it to him just to kind of give it a final professional uh, touch for it.
0: That's cool. Mm-hmm. Did you end up using a lot of the same uh like software programs or same types of programs?
3: Yeah, everything was pretty much the same. I I definitely upgraded a couple like plugins and stuff, but I think for the most part it was just more um getting more comfortable with using everything and it's kind of ex- more experienced using the same tools. But mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, same program. Um just different techniques, I guess, mostly. So, um now with the Silhouettes of Horror being
0: out, what were some of the things that you wanted to stay or to keep consistent from your last record? And what are some of the things that you really wanted to change?
2: Dave? Um, for wanting to change, the things that we really wanted to change is we just wanted to evolve our playing and just the way that we approached uh, writing the music. That's the thing mm-hmm. that I could think that we wanted to change. And then the things that we wanted to keep the same was uh, just the same like ferocity and having that like expansive network of different genres that we can kind of pluck little things into uh, and just add it into each song. Uh, and with that we just kind of expanded a lot. We took all the all the highs. And then we uh, built up on that. And then, like, at the same time, we didn't really feel like there was that many lows in the first album. We just kind of uh, just kept getting better at what we were doing, basically.
3: I think we had some lows, personally, <laughs> in our first album. But I think...
2: Well, we would noticed those after we got the second album ri- record or written.
1: I think Colin knew this from the beginning, but we we were wanting to get stuff out quickly. Yeah,
3: I think some our first album was it seemed a little rushed. Um, we definitely wanted to just kind of like get something out there, and we kind of yeah we rushed performing. Like we definitely overlooked some things. Did a lot of like ah oh, fuck it we'll figure that out later. <laughs> like we'll try and figure that like fix it with editing or something, which which never works. Um, So I think this time around, we really wanted to focus on getting it right from the beginning, like just kind of getting solid takes of like of the live performance. And just yeah, I think we all grew a lot as musicians, we all kind of got more like we got better at our instruments, we got better with uh, learning our parts and kind of everyone was able to kind of give their own uh, take to it, which I think people felt more confident doing that this time around um well like you touched on earlier that everybody seems to communicate better with each other and work well together right for sure yeah i think like this time around people are yeah there's more like even though the riffs technically are the same like i pretty much uh i write most of the riffs and then dave will like send me a bunch of riffs that he writes as well to kind of but like even though the riffs technically are the same from their like when they first are written by the time everybody gets to them there's kind of like just different nuances that people add to it And it kind of just gives everyone their own kind of flair, which is cool.
0: And then everyone has their own little um, responsibilities when it comes to writing the music, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah, like Scott, our bassist, is like, oh, we should add this crazy Steve Harris bass line over it. I was like, all right, cool.
0: (laughs) And as long as it sounds good, you're all on board, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I just obviously deal with the lyrics and the melody. Mm-hmm. Within- and how
0: did you learn to scream versus sing?
1: Uh, <laughs> my dad would say it's when I was a little kid but <laughs> <laughs> I think I always could do it and I was always kind of practicing in my room when I was younger um mm-hmm. but too embarrassed to do it and then yeah just and also people just didn't take me seriously and then it's just nice um you know joining a band with my husband right like it just makes it me more comfortable to to do all this and challenge myself and try new things because I have someone like we're pretty like I know that sometimes when people are couples they're afraid of oh what will like if you say something you're like that will upset her and then you can't do that but we're huge on communication and honesty so I always know that he's telling me the truth like he's like oh yeah you probably don't want to do that or you know. Oh, that was really good so i can trust exactly what he's saying and so that's really helped me improve um my screaming and girls well and
0: it sounds like he's being supportive but also like when he's being critical he's doing it in the proper way instead of just like shitting all over you for something that doesn't sound <laughs> good it's just like this is what you can do to make it better right yeah
1: exactly constructive
0: that's the word i was looking for yes yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> i'd like to think that at least <laughs>
0: I read online, um, I believe this was in another one of uh, your interviews, or maybe maybe I listened to it on YouTube. Uh, but Marley, when you're talking about like your vocal style, um, I like that you considered going between like screaming and clean vocals as a way to like bring attention to conflicting and intense emotion, or like you said, possibly even something like a split personality. Yeah. How did you come up with that idea specifically?
1: I don't know, I guess because I'm crazy. No, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, I don't really know. I just kind of came together. I, I, I really like acting, like I'm trying to get into voice acting. So I guess um, coming from like a drama background, I like the idea of playing different characters. So I guess that kind of is kind of where it stemmed from. Um, and then I just get bored doing the same thing So that's another, another, and then it kind of came together where I was like, yeah, it is like playing different characters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like, um, that drama background kind of got you over that, that initial fear of like screaming or singing in front of other people?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Did you learn drama in school or was it like, was it performance or was it just uh,
1: Um, basic classes? Yeah. Like, you know, just drama classes at school. I was never too Mm. serious. My brother was more serious about it. He still does like theater plays and stuff but I just did it to kind of build my confidence uh, but I think like singing has always been my thing so performing singing is like easy for me but I don't really enjoy performing on stage not singing <laughs> that's why I want to do voice acting because I can just be behind my computer and record myself <laughs> and not have to be I think I think when I, I'm confident more in my uh vocal abilities than my own like just regular talking and, and my voice in front of people
0: <laughs> why do you think that is it like you said just to confirm you said you're more confident in your singing and screaming than you are just talking in front of people yeah <laughs>
1: interesting yeah i don't know i i think it was kind of just because it was like an escape when i was younger i had a lot of you know classic bullies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so for me that was where I shined and where people were more supportive so I guess I don't know how else to explain it but even 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 like in between and I'm also dyslexic especially when I'm talking so Uh, (laughs) um so singing that just goes away isn't it funny how singing just like gets rid of stutters it gets rid of like all those things um
0: accents yeah yeah
1: (laughs) but yeah even in between sets i'm work i'm still working on it like i feel awkward when i'm like talking to the audience (laughs) so that so that is something that we'll see how i do when you see me in calgary but (laughs)
0: Oh, you'll do fine. You guys have released a couple albums now. Like you know, you're going to go out there, and the people are there to see you.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That'd be awesome. You guys are all fans of like thrash metal as a as a genre, right? Oh yeah, fuck. (laughs) A little bit.
1: Just a little bit.
0: A little bit. (laughs) What is it about thrash metal specifically that draws you guys to it?
2: The craziness.
1: Yeah, the energy.
0: Yeah,
3: just like the pure yeah Chaos. it's just energy and it just amps you up and just gives you so much energy Of and
1: it's more of a good time than you know like i like black metal and everything but this is just more like party metal and i really enjoy it. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah I,
2: think, I guess we all like to party a lot yeah, yeah and it's
3: it's hard okay, right? it's like it's hard to be in a bad mood when you're like listening to thrash, or like especially if you're with friends and you're just kind of like i don't know man it just it's some kind of connection that when you're like listening to th- a, like your favorite thrash band with your friend you're just like fuck it and you're just you know, I don't know, it just gets you so pumped.
1: Just shotgun and beers.
3: And it's just uh thrash was created out of just having a good time. So <laughs> I think yeah, that's kind of
1: And obviously our music is a little bit heavier, but and we but that's as I said, we we like to have all elements of of things just to keep things interesting.
0: Well, and bringing in different influences or different genres also makes it
3: a little bit more exciting, right? For sure. And yeah, if you want to listen to straight thrash, there's thousands of bands that have already done that. So we don't have to do that as well. (laughs) Who are some of your favorite thrash metal
0: bands?
2: For me personally, it'll be like Zentrix, fucking Creator, Sodom, Overkill uh i'm not gonna keep going but that's yeah, like yeah, some yeah. of them <laughs> yeah.
1: i'm gonna steal this because colin is gonna say it too but havoc i really like uh krisix um don't know if you've heard them
3: so, yeah no i haven't but i'm gonna look them up i'll say yeah, yeah krisix C-R- c-r-i-s yeah they're sweet yeah, yeah. you didn't um, <laughs> c-r-i-s-i-x
1: <laughs> i'm dyslexic so I'm
3: like, you um uh, <laughs> yeah i love bands like warbringer um there's a really cool band, Warfect, that I've been getting into yeah, lately. they're sick. They're a relatively newer band. Um, yeah, I mean, all of us, we love thrash. Yeah.
1: For female thrash, I would say um, Holy Moses, uh, that's Snow White. Um, also, Matillery from Edmonton. They're not really a thing mm. anymore at this point. But uh, they're fucking sick they're when sick. they were. Yep.
2: Yeah, that was fun as shit. Yeah
0: how would you guys say the thrash metal influences uh, compare
3: between the scene, sorry, compare in the scenes between here and Vancouver?
2: Uh, Thrash is bigger in Calgary.
3: Definitely. Yeah. There's very few thrash bands. We were actually talking about that the other day, trying to like,
1: yeah, with my friend,
3: think about the thrash scene here. And there's like, there's bands like terrifier, um, X pain, aggression, uh, chaos century, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it seems like Alberta in general just has a lot more thrash, um, which is kind of a good and a bad thing for us, I guess. Um, I guess you stand out more as a thrash band, perhaps in Vancouver. It's
1: kind of cool though, yeah. I, I, it, people I meet, it's so weird, like going around the scene and people already knowing who I am, which is weird. Like <laughs> they're like, "Oh, you're from Hyperia," and that's it just, it's so they obviously like people are. You know, knowing who we are and want to check us out, so that's good. But yeah, the my friend when we were talking to her about this, she said, yeah, Vancouver seems to have trends. Like they'll have like a power metal trend where every, power metal is more popular than anything else, and thrash ten years ago was more popular, and it just constantly.
3: Yeah, right now Vancouver seems very heavily like progressive.
1: Yeah, now and, it's like prog or like
3: or like death a lot of deathcore yeah, metalcore. Death or...
1: yeah. But who yeah. knows? We can change that. Mm-hmm. we need to become the trend <laughs> Hyperia core <laughs> <Hyperia Corps. laughs>
0: I feel like deathcore has been making big waves like across the world over the past few years
2: yeah yeah it keeps it, it's definitely getting a bigger scene even in, like I remember in Calgary a lot of our deathcore friends they started getting a bigger following at their concerts and like me personally I'm not into the genre, but I'm, I'm always gonna support anybody that loves it. Like our good friends in Widows Peak, like they're pretty much like Death Core. And yeah, mm-hmm. seeing their shows get bigger and bigger was pretty awesome. Seeing like the fan base growing and shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good seeing bands succeed, especially when the music's good. For but, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some artists that get famous for stupid reasons, but if your music's good, it's really nice to see.
3: Yeah,
2: Yeah, like a heavy hitter here from Vancouver that, I mean, like I'm not crazy about them, but I definitely can admire the talent is uh, Nick of the Woods. And whenever they go to Calgary, I still remember hearing about them coming to Calgary and I was just like, what the hell is this? And everyone was freaking out. Sold out show, and I was like, What the hell? Yeah, and, just that, and then I found out as a local band from Vancouver, but yeah, they kill it. Like, yeah, we, love we saw them, the recently. them. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. You were at that show, right? Dave? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a good show, yeah. We can appreciate it. I that's why I hate it when people say <clears throat> certain genres suck or they're oh, this band sucks. It's like, No, you just don't like the style, it doesn't mean they suck, mm-hmm. just stick to whatever you like and don't. <laughs> you know
2: yeah if a band sucks it means that they're doing a bad job at their own style that's the yeah. way that i look at it yeah. like if it's, it's I, I i'm not going to name anything because i can't think of anything off the top of my head but when, when you see they're like oh we're death metal and they're butchering it you're like bro <laughs> <laughs> and not butchering it in a good way not butchering it at birth yeah in not in no a good way <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so you guys have been fans of the genre for a long time. You like some older stuff. You like some newer stuff. What are some of the things that you notice in the thrash metal scene, like different trends that you really enjoy nowadays? Uh,
2: different trends. Uh, I, I would say that I've noticed that the pits have been getting crazier and the fans have been going harder and and, and they've been like more interested in thrash. I remember years ago that... You'd see some thrash bands come through and it's like the, the the whole scene is just standing there and they're like, yeah, like kind of bobbing their heads. And then now a freaking band comes through and they go crazy. We even had a few people um like at our CD release show, not saying that they don't have other shows. I just haven't seen it yet. And I missed my chance mm-hmm. to see it at Power Trip. But we even had some people like jumping off stage, you know, there's always crowd surfers and and our, our good friends in WMD, they invented, well, not invented, but they made popular in Calgary doing uh raft crowd surfing of our Brody would get in a big inflatable, inflatable yeah, raft and they'd crowd surf him while he was playing guitar in it, you know, shit like that, right? And, and it's just like, they weren't doing stuff like that back in the day. It just seems more crazy, more fun. It's evolved in that sense.
0: Well, and like you guys said earlier that's kind of what thrash metal is all about yeah so how
3: can we have a fucking frat party on stage Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> keg stands and
2: oh, you know, that'll yeah. be the day when we do a keg stand on stage oh man i can die after that
0: <laughs> are you going to
3: do it while playing
0: oh fuck, that'd, be Mid, that'd be sweet
3: mid-solo
0: kong's probably the, the
2: only one that could accomplish it without Fucking up everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, you know, practice makes perfect. Yeah, so he's got to practice. Got jam at... space here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you don't have to worry about going home after. Yeah. No.
2: Well, worry about making it to the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Another. You guys are talking about
2: doing cake stands on a on at live while playing our instruments.
1: Yeah, I could see them doing that. Marley
2: can do that because yeah. she sings. It
3: might be harder for Marley if yeah. she's singing. <laughs> we actually had considered doing like uh, During a solo. Maybe. I think I think they're obviously their bands have done it, but we were always joking with the idea. I actually I think WMD did it too. They already stole all the good ideas, but yeah. they uh like just doing beer bongs on stage or like just fun stuff like that. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah they, they
2: definitely did that. But I wanted to give beer bong girls at one point or keg stand girls of where they get people to come up on stage and then, you know, take turns. But shit, might be a little bit more difficult now post-COVID, you know, <laughs> sharing... uh Yeah, no...
0: Sharing beer bongs.
2: Sharing beer bongs, yeah.
0: I guess it depends on the... A chance right yeah <laughs> what kind of chance you're willing to take or whatever yeah who's yeah. using the bong like or the beer bong i guess or both whatever Or just sure. have
2: like a cup of sanitizer and dip it in each time <laughs> <laughs> i'm just looking
1: forward to like pl- having like a house show here because we can literally play till like two in the morning here no yeah. one
2: yeah, yeah. no one's ever complained yeah
1: yeah we are a corner house so and the walls are pretty good like soundproof like yeah outside. yeah
2: we can definitely have a good party house vibe here, for sure. Mm-hmm. Got everything set up. That would be really fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. come on over. Fly out. We're, when we're you're only, out. we're only 10
1: minutes from the airport. We'll pick you up.
2: Yeah, actually, we are. We're like a freaking, what, $8? cross the river. $6 Uber from the airport. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to jump back into your album here, and I might butcher his name, but you guys worked with Andre Buzikov for both of your album covers. Um, He's yeah. known for his work that I saw... Uh, with Autopsy, Cannabis Corpse, Dismemberment, Harlot, Havoc, Municipal Waste, and Skeleton Witch, and obviously a lot more. Um, How did you guys get together with him? How did you get him on board?
3: Uh, Yeah, we actually reached out to, like for Insanatorium. we reached out to a couple different artists that we were really into. And he just seemed like he was on board right away. Very easy to work with. Very responsive. Um, Yeah, he was just, he seemed to like, we, we've always been a huge fan of all of his artwork. Like, yeah, Toxic Holocaust, Skeleton Witch, they're always really cool. Um, artwork, like, he hand paints everything, which we thought was a really cool uh, touch to it. And it gave it a very different, um, unique look. Um, and I think we we're kind of like, we just really appreciated, like, what we, we come up with ideas for the album cover. We, we'll write down little bullet points of what we want, draft this super shitty, like, chicken scratch of, like, Actually, this, this and...
1: time we didn't like this album uh we got um dave's ex-girlfriend to to do the uh should a better draft for us yeah draft and i think it turned out better but
3: yeah typically and then but yeah andre just has a great way he just knows he just seems to he can take our vision and kind of amplify it into what into something that's really cool and uh yeah i think the his the hand painting it gives it just like the colors seem to be different than digital in a way, um, and I think yeah, we're all, we've all been, like we're always a fan of the hand painted thrash album arts that he does or other artists like Ed Repka. Um, it's just yeah, it's a cool different touch, and I think it, it's like a good homage to the '80s as well, where that's kind of how it all used to be: hand painted uh, album covers.
0: Actually, that pretty much answers my next question. I was just gonna ask uh, how you feel as artwork complements your your music or or thrash as a genre specifically. So, uh, the artwork, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you have already answered that. So, <laughs> um, are you guys planning on? I know you said you're not planning on subsequent releases yet, but are you planning on working with him long term?
3: I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, it's not that we're not planning on subsequent releases. I think it's just. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't given that much thought about what we're going to do for album three yet. Yeah, um, we've just but...
2: been so focused. Like, we didn't even get to properly tour or promote our first album. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make up for that and also promote the second album. So it's like hard to focus on album three yet.
3: But yeah, I don't see why we wouldn't continue with Andre. He's He always does really good work. Um, So, yeah, it's hard to say about it. he's. I think we're all happy with everything he's done for us so far.
1: He locked himself in our room.
3: (laughs) Sorry. We got a crazy dog going wild right now. So that's why Marley keeps keeps
1: leaving. He like went in and the door shut. (laughs) And he's like,
3: (laughs) at least
0: he didn't chew his way out. (laughs) Yeah. I lived with a buddy before moving into my current place. And uh, I lived in his basement with my Husky. And what happened was I left her, um, Throughout the day, when I went to work, and one day I came home and she ate a uh, hole through the couch.
3: Oh damn! Holy shit! So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no.
0: I was thinking about hiding it, but I figured that'd be too obvious because <laughs> it was right
3: in the seat.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's so, the career.
0: Yeah.
1: Honestly, honesty is the best policy. I I don't know. It, things always seem to work. That was out.
3: always there. What are you talking about? Uh,
1: honesty. Honestly, that was there like before.
0: I was just gonna tell him it was his kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's like almost the truth. Almost the truth.
0: They I'm sure they did eat the drywall, but (laughs) (laughs) as you guys touched on a couple times, uh touring and and shows being booked here. Um you guys were just announced for the Loudest Hell Festival in Drumheller. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have you guys been to one before?
1: Uh, yeah.
3: yeah he's the only one we're remember basement dwellers yeah we have not
1: i'm really, i can't <laughs> wait it was uh it was quite
2: wild for me what was it since it was the first festival of where i've been to of where i know pretty much 80 to 90 percent of the people there so it was like what i like hit this high on the first like pre-party night and then i just like rode that the entire time until like the end of the festival <laughs> It was just like 110 percent the cool. whole time
0: so what's the festival like where do you sleep what are the grounds like uh are there multiple stages
2: um so there's when i was there there was only one stage i think there is still going to be just one stage yeah i think they're talking uh, but, about getting
3: a second one but yeah not, there might not be see.
2: they might be uh moving it somewhere else i think they said it's outdoor now uh, that's I, I can't know. remember. They may have said that it's outdoor. I, I think it's uh, it should still be the same as before. It was, so it was like a community hall um, at the top of the hill right before you drive down into Drumheller. So Drumheller was like a three-minute drive uh, to get into. And near that community center is like a big, like, there's like a parking lot and then there's this big field. And everyone would just set up tents in the field. And then you go into the community hall for uh, the concerts and they would have, um, uh, they'd have food trucks there for um, just, you know, grabbing some quick food it's if you were doing all the camping food stuff. And they also had room there for uh, camper vans. is a, a pretty cool setup. It's like small, but I don't know. It, it was homey because, you know, you're like, oh, this is where all my friends are. So it's like... Camping with friends while watching shows.
0: I think the coolest part about it
3: is that they're all Canadian bands. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lot of it's really cool. The lineup, yeah. We're it's a cool lineup for sure. We can't wait to check that out. Um, I was just looking up. They do actually have a second stage, um, but it's for uh what did it say they do freak shows instrument clinics burlesque suspension and many other crazy things
2: yeah i forgot about that yeah so they had that in between uh sets sometimes and yeah there was lots of like yeah burlesque and uh, little performances from all all the uh i guess some of the same performers you see at concerts and our local shows in calgary or vendors stuff like that
3: are you gonna go to that jeff
0: I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to. I I'm trying to book the time off, and then if I can get the time
3: off, I'll be there for sure. Cool. Yeah, I can't. It'll be a really fun time.
2: It's uh, it's very worthwhile, especially just like going to the pre-party at the bar because it's it's really cool the fact that it's uh, three minutes away from Drumheller. So if you ever need anything, it's not like when you're camping, like you know and you, and you drove like an hour or an hour and a half from the nearest town to get there and then you're like oh shit i forgot a flashlight or some crap i mean <laughs> you can literally yeah toilet paper you can literally drive in there to just even shower if you freaking want just go into somebody's you know get it from a hotel but yeah the bar the bar is there it's called like neighbor's bar neighbor's pub like, yeah. yeah neighbor's mm-hmm. pub and yeah like you can take an uber from there when you're freaking hammered to get back to your tent after the pre-party show and it's like six bucks i think it was yeah nice yeah super cool i gotta
1: confess for the night before we play i booked a hotel so i can shower at least before we play. that's fair what a poser i'm gonna
3: have to give you money for that what a
1: poser i know you are (laughs) i think of things and then these guys are like Oh,
2: what? Like. Well, that's why we'd all get smashed. Like, when we were living in Calgary, we'd all get smashed at a concert, and Marley would be like, Well, I guess I thought about being the responsible one, so I'll drive you guys home. Yeah.
1: Dumbasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: It's funny how you never think of that until the time comes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's You're what like oh, got shit me the
0: trains aren't running, I don't feel like paying for a cab yeah, and yeah. I'm hungry. I was going to sleep at McDonald's,
3: fuck you. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, I I
1: actually didn't drink in Calgary just cuz I was so worried about everyone getting home, but here I actually drink because transit's fucking amazing and I just like even if it's and and cabs are not too bad like when you have like a group of us yeah they're not too Mm -hmm. bad unless
2: it's like friday night then they go from like 20 dollars to like 130 which is like i i can't i've never seen that
1: that was only because of new year's
2: oh yeah yeah, okay yeah, yeah not not friday night i guess it's when it's like special events like halloween or anything that would merit a whole bunch of people doing it yeah
0: I feel like uh, the Uber is here like double in price after like one or two. Yeah. Just because the whole is... bar crowd's leaving. For sure. Especially yeah, on like a Friday.
1: It's too. Like here it's only like 15 kilometers to get downtown from where we are. And that's, we're mm-hmm. technically in a different city because we live in Richmond.
3: About but place. it still doesn't take
0: that long price even is, living in, but in Richmond, right? I know the
1: price is double. Depending on the, the time. But I'm just saying it's probably going to be a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on where you live. I'm used to living on the outskirts. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions about your guys' history. How did you guys get into your respective instruments?
1: Yeah.
3: Um, I, like, both of my parents are musicians. They, they actually met in a band as well a long time ago. So, like, I was, when I grew up, I was completely, like, around music all the time. Um, my mom had, like, a really old kind of, like, before Gibson even, it was called, like, a guild uh, it was like an SG guitar that I like started playing on when I was 11. And then I took lessons for a bit. I think I took maybe lessons for like three or four months. And then I just kind of got like sick of learning how to play, uh, I don't know, Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> and kind of like, uh, luckily, I, I did have one good teacher, though, who kind of, he would basically just tell me to like bring in the tabs of my favorite song and he'd teach me how to play it. And then but once I kind of learned how to read tabs, I was like, well, I don't need a teacher anymore. I can just do this on my own. So, yeah, it didn't last longer than like maybe four or five months with guitar lessons. And then I just found the best way for me to learn was just pick a song that I like and just try and learn it. And then that way, it's much more rewarding, too. when you actually learn a song that you love rather than just, yeah, learning how to play. Yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know any of the cliche for songs you learn on a guitar for me. Well, then you have that sentence of accomplishment too when you nail it yeah, for the first time. Exactly. And yeah, it's like, fuck yeah, I can play my favorite song now. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's a cool feeling. I think that, that drives you to want to play more as well. And it kind of keeps your creativity going. Um, yeah, Dave.
2: Uh, for me, it was just falling in love with the music when I was like, what? I think it was like 13, 14, like lots of classic rock and really wanted to, uh, try it out after I saw a couple of my friends playing in like elementary. So my dad got me lessons with like a shitty Squire Strat guitar with like a little tiny amp. And I started uh, plucking around on that, took lessons for a few years and I kind of kept going in and out of it for a little bit. Cause I wasn't, uh, I was like, I, I love the music and I love playing, but I didn't feel a reason to dedicate myself to practicing more. And then when I started playing with a different, with, a, another musician, I fell in love with, um, being able to play with someone else and having that teamwork and it made me really want to push myself and be able to, uh, you know, move forward and actually play in a band eventually. I never thought I'd actually be in a band. So it was crazy. To get to that point.
1: Well, that's why we had a sold out show, our first show, almost because he had all these friends that were like, he's in a band now. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty killer.
2: Yeah, it was pretty wild to see that shit.
3: I think everybody knew how much he wanted to be in a band, and then when it actually happened, they're like, fuck it. Yeah. yeah,
1: and <laughs> yeah, I, I like obviously I don't play instruments in the band, but our previous band Skymer, I played keyboards. Um, but yeah, I was also part of the musical family so been singing since I was like four but I also when I was growing up I didn't do a lot of high range because I thought it was stupid because so I'm like opera is stupid and stuff and then as I actually only maybe like five years ago I started working with my <clears throat> higher range so now I can kind of I kind of have like a good range between two things I could be in an operatic band if I wanted to is <laughs> guess what I'm saying but I don't <laughs> Um, but I always think it's good to be able to do any, anything and always keep pushing yourself. Um, but yeah, I also learned how to play guitar, just to mainly to accompany me singing if I would just wanted to jam out. Obviously not metal, just acoustic stuff. But yeah.
0: Being in Sky Mirror and just being kind of, I don't want to say in the background necessarily, but going from the keyboards to being the front woman of the band, Uh, how does that feel and and was the transition difficult
1: um i actually had a kind of a trial period when i was we actually were in a folk metal band and that's how we met called uh, lore master called lore master and our friend just asked us to join and that's how we met and that didn't last long maybe a year hey colin
3: yeah
0: (laughs) this
1: guy's insane sorry (laughs)
0: Um, Don't be, I'm always, I'm always for having dogs on show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So what were we saying? You're oh, used yeah. to being a vocalist. Yeah. So I'm used, to, I was already used to being a vocalist, I, I guess, but looking back at videos, I've definitely gained a lot of confidence. I think Skymare kind of helped me because playing an instrument kind of boosted my confidence a bit. And then coming back, I realized, and looking, being able to have that break where I could look at how much I've changed, uh, and know what not to do, that really helped too.
0: So, do you guys often watch videos, um, like of your past performances or music videos, just to kind of critique yourselves?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's probably
2: should, but yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's. It, I think that it's a. I think it's a good thing. Like, yeah, you can, you can critique and find highs and lows about it but don't completely yeah feel, like, under the bus basically yeah i don't think we're cringe. good we I... all, all good enough for that tonight
1: we kind of laugh yeah like it. It, it, we're it's... like wow how much we've grown
2: yeah <laughs> yeah like seeing our sound and yeah. our shorter hair at some <laughs> concerts <laughs> Mainly scott, <laughs> oh, scott had cut his hair off yeah yeah mm-hmm
3: but yeah, yeah but i mean it's good to look back and grow it but yeah a lot of the time we're just cringing like ah oh, fuck why did we do that or like it's like uh, looking
1: uh, at your old facebook posts you
3: know really? <laughs> so i'm guessing you're not a
0: fan of those uh memories that they put up every day <laughs> <laughs> they can be fun <laughs> but no i mean it's and, all, can, I mean, and then you have that one post that you should have deleted to like shit yeah <laughs> oh, God damn.
3: no it's i think it can be beneficial going back and rewatching your old and it's awesome. I mean, the fact that you go look back and you it makes like it's hard to watch is a good thing because it means that obviously you have gotten better or or uh, yeah. So it is good to see where you came from, I the guess. Are but,
1: so funny. but uh
3: but, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I personally don't try too much to like like I can't even really stand listening to our album to be honest. Like at this point, I think I think well i think you're your hardest critic also i mixed the album so i listened to it like ten thousand times before it was even released and then it's like i think i'm just so close to it that every time whenever someone puts the album on and i'm in the room it's just a really weird feeling for me like it's kind of just like uh like i'm happy that they want to listen to it but it's like i don't want to be here for it i i think it's just such a personal thing that it's almost like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And I
1: like, I want to show our music, but as soon as they turn it on, I'm like, this is awkward.
3: (laughs) It almost feels like braggy or like, right. I also just feel like embarrassed because I don't know. It's a weird thing. I I just.
1: Yeah. We don't want people to think that we, we just want, we appreciate everybody's talents and everything they do. And we don't want people to think that we think we're better than them or something just because we play music, you know? Because we're not.
3: Yeah, it's that old joke of like when the guy brings out the acoustic guitar at the party wow. and you're like, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be those guys.
1: That was me because I was
0: like. Do you guys think that part of that attitude comes from um, like picking out some of the things in your own music and you're kind of uh, subcon- or, sorry, subconsciously thinking that somebody else might pick those same issues out or might critique it the same way?
3: Exactly. I think we're so close to it or even there's parts where it's like, I don't know. It, it's just hard to, yeah. I mean, also, you're, you're so aware of every single aspect of it yeah. that if something even didn't go necessarily the way you were exactly wanting it to go, it like sticks out in a way. And you're like, it's just really hard to listen to something objectively when you've, it's completely subjective. And also and you, they're
1: not going to be honest probably when you ask them what they think, you know, it's, we're a very passive aggressive society. Um, you know like people like for me i would like to hear what i can improve on but because of other people's reactions and their experiences they don't want to say things to hurt people's feelings because it could escalate i guess and so you can't really trust so it's better to have them listen to it when the album's released like not even you asking and then them sending you a message like hey this was awesome you know that feels a lot better because um, you know for sure they're telling you the truth because they didn't have to waste time and email you or message you on Facebook.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So on that note, guys, um, is there anything else you guys would like to cover today?
3: I don't think so, man. Yeah, I think you covered a lot. You did really good research. I appreciate all the uh, well-thought-out questions. And, and uh, yeah, obviously you took the time to look into really cool aspects of what you wanted to talk about. So. I think we just appreciate that. We appreciate you having us. And um, yeah, awesome. we're really excited to meet you in, at the Gateway in a few... Or yeah, we was already have you on the
1: guest list. It are like already half. one and a one half. Days away,
0: 11 days away or something. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: crazy yeah. how You're soon is. You're on the guest list.
3: That'll be awesome, man. It'll be awesome we, to see you guys there. It's um, going to be really hard. No, yeah, sorry.
0: For the people looking for your music, where's the best place for them to find it for you guys?
3: For us personally, I mean, I guess our band camp, uh, just because that supports us. The, the most directly, um so that's yeah. hyperia metal um but otherwise we're on every single streaming service spotify apple music youtube um yeah anything any of that uh but bandcamp. if you do want to support us bandcamp is definitely where we see the most uh monetary support so yeah perfect yeah
0: awesome guys i appreciate you spending this time with me today
3: hey likewise oh, yeah. man Thank we you. appreciate it jeff
0: Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.